Welcome to episode 12 of the Inspired Energy Podcast with Murray Guest. This week, I'm catching up with Rhonda Boyle, a strengths-based coach from Oklahoma, USA. Rhonda is a transformational leader teaching strengths-based processes through workshops, corporate education, and group coaching. Rhonda is also the author of several books and most recently, the international bestseller, Turning Talents into Strengths, Stories of Coaching Transformation, which I'm also a co-author of. Rhonda has been part of the strengths movement since 2008 and is also a certified law of attraction facilitator with a special emphasis on neuroscience principles. In this episode, we chat about Rhonda's journey to becoming a strengths-based coach, her passion for strengths and how she is helping other coaches get their message out, the journey to releasing our book, Turning Talents into Strengths, the ups and downs of that, her lessons, and um, just what that process has been like. We also talk about Rhonda's top five strengths and how she lives and breathes those every day and how she aims them in all areas of her life. Rhonda's top five are ideation, woo, maximizer, communication, and activator. So here we go with episode 12 of the Inspired Energy Podcast with Rhonda Boyle. Good morning, everyone. I am with my fabulous friend, co-author, a legend from Oklahoma, Rhonda. How are you? I am great, Murray. Good to see you or hear you, actually. <laughs> great to hear you too. I absolutely love catching up with you and I'm so looking forward to this week's podcast. I am always left feeling more energized when we catch up. Your woo is, I don't know if it should be number two, maybe it should be number one. <laughs> Could be, although I really, my number five is activator and I'm really activator all day, every day, number one. <laughs> so, yeah, well, I've heard you say yeah. before your maximizer woo, that that's the other one that you, you've said before. Yeah, I'm pretty much all of them. I, I never leave home without any of them. So there you go. <laughs> do you, do you know what your 34 is? Oh, Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, my number 34, it will be no surprise, is consistency. You know, I don't believe that rules were meant to be broken. I think they should be at every opportunity. So that puts me squarely at, at consistency number 34. I, um, I like that. It's not, could they? Or maybe? It's no, they're meant to be broken. That's what they're about. That's right. It's always, <laughs> you know, pushing the status quo. I love something you said just a second ago as well, which is um, I leave home with them every day. That's just such a simple statement about how your top five are who you are without even thinking about it. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. So um, it's awesome to catch up with you today and to talk through a few things. Strengths, of course, and a few other things. Uh, how are you? Uh, how's the family? Great. Fabulous. New grand boy. Yeah. What's, what's it like to be a grandparent? Well, I mean, it's wonderful. You know, it's, it's so different. Uh, I have a four and a half year old grand boy and he is entering that fun age. And speaking of strengths, we already see talents in him, uh, you know, are starting to step forward. And then uh, my three month old grand boy 
he looks so much like my daughter. It's like scary. I have sort of, you know, almost out of body experiences when I hold him because I have flashbacks, you know, to mm-hmm. what it felt like holding her. So it's been, it's fun being a grandma. And I love, you know, that I have the strength background and my grandkids are going to grow up in knowing what's right with them. So. So I've, I've had a friend and a few, um, a few clients actually have become grandparents and they've described it to me as all the joy and no responsibility. Now, does, how does that one feel? Well, one of our grandboys lives with us, so we would not have to be able to agree with that <laughs> statement exactly. So, uh, yeah, we, I, I, we're not empty nesters yet. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm so, I mean, my eldest, uh, my daughter's only 21 at the moment. So not just yet, but down the track is certainly something I'm so looking forward to because that, that, as you said, those beautiful moments, um, and as they've just exploring uh, their own talents and how you can help them do that is such a beautiful thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, I mentioned that my grand boy, the four and a half year old, we're definitely seeing talents in him. I mean, when he wakes up, he's, he chatters, you know, he's very excited to be awake and start the day. So, you know, I, I don't know the uh, strengths explorer uh, terms for that, but in the strengths world, you know, the strengths finder, Clifton strengths world, it would be uh, communication and positivity. He's all about the people and he definitely has competition. We can see it because he wants to race to the bedroom when he goes to get his pajamas on and mm. he's constantly saying, catch me, catch me. And he likes that feeling uh, of being chased and being the victor. So uh, it, what he lacks right now is focus. So we're just trying to help him learn how to keep his eye on the prize uh, because that's where, you know, that's where he loses his focus. And then he, then we beat him. And then he's like, no, (laughs) it really is amazing though. How, you know, I've known this from my own life as far as uh, my own talents and strengths are concerned. I don't know if you know the story, but I've uh, my dad passed away in 2005 and my siblings and I were going through a box of memorabilia and so forth. And we found my second grade report card. Yes. So, I wasn't much older than my grand boy now. He's a, he'll be five in the fall. And so uh, my teacher, my report card, I got, un- Murray, can you believe it? I got unsatisfactory. Oh, it depends. <laughs> I mean, is, is it about attention and completing your work? Let me guess. Yeah, you right. In class, let me see. <laughs> well, the teacher had given me uh, unsatisfactory and she wrote, uh, she said, Rhonda cannot sit still. And then the second comment she made was, and she won't stop talking. And then at the end of, or the bottom, you know, where she put her name, she said, Rhonda is not living up to her full potential. Mm. So there I was at seven, already being judged for wiggling too much, hello, activator, and talking too much, communication. And can you imagine, I mean, imagine a world where a seven-year-old who can't sit still and can't keep her mouth shut is given an opportunity to channel that energy into something positive, like 
speaking, you know, and yeah, writing. Yeah. I write a lot. And had I learned earlier, you know, who knows what an impact I could have made, uh, you know, having learned about myself way earlier. So. When, you, when you reflect on those early school years uh, and, and maybe a bit older, do you think about um, how your teachers tried to make you well-rounded or how they didn't have a strengths-based approach and the impact that had on your life? Well, I would definitely say so. Uh, I, I do think that I naturally avoided the topics that were difficult for me. So for example, I have analytical number 32. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So numbers, you know, don't shove a spreadsheet under my nose or I might have a panic attack. <laughs> True story. And so I did not excel in mathematics or the sciences in school. So what that meant was because of the way our school systems, at least in the United States are, and, and when I was in school was right when they started taking the SAT and the ACT, which are those big scholastic uh, tests that help yes. kids get, you know, pushed into certain uh, career path, not career paths, but secondary education paths, right? And so because of my avoidance of and, and my lack of natural talent in mathematics and sciences, I got pushed the other direction. And so what I learned through that was how to play small. Mm -hmm. Because it wasn't, you know, I'm, you know, born in, I'm a baby boomer. I'm in the end of the baby boomer. So um, I, in my era of growing up, if you didn't do, go towards the maths and the sciences, then you ended up in either Votech school, or if you were a woman in particularly, in particular, you wound up, you know, as a mom, married early, you know having yep. babies. So yeah. I was on the very end, you know, like the 1960s is when that all started breaking apart. Like when I was younger. Mm. So. And, and, uh, and my, my school experience is very similar. I've got school, I've got a copy of my school report that I use in my presentation of my team workshop uh, when I was in year four. So that must've been like eight, nine years old. Murray talks mm -hmm. too much. Murray interrupts the class. Murray is, um, rushing his work to interrupt other students. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. <laughs> and, right. but, but that was all, you know, labels, it's wrong, it's bad. And that um, pointing out that weakness, you know, that impacted me in school because that was always, you're doing the wrong thing, you're doing the wrong thing. Whereas what I do see now with my younger son, um, particularly who's in primary school, he'll get an assignment and the teacher will give their children options for how they're going to complete that assignment. Do you want to do a report? Do you want to stand up in the front of class, do a presentation? Would you like to do a PowerPoint presentation? Um, would you like to work with a group in small groups? So they actually have the opportunity to um, apply their own talent without using any labels of what those talents might be, but what works best for them to show how they're going to learn that topic and present it back to the class, which I think is, is really good. That's an amazing strengths-based approach, whether you have the language around it or not, just giving kids the options to pick one. Mm. You know, we all have learning styles, which I think you can uh, sort of align them with your talents. 
people who are high in strategic thinking talents, they would likely be digital learners. So they, they have to think about and cogitate over it, you know, mm -hmm. and then you have your auditory learners, people who need to hear and kinesthetic, those full body, but uh, people who are sensing and feeling and then those visual kids. So, you know, who want to learn through reading and through visual input. So, you know, I think that at least we're seeing some of that coming up in the schools, even if we have yet to convert them all to a strengths-based language. Mm, oh, totally. I, and I, I think that is uh, what I'm seeing over here as well. And um, I, I think it's not just where previously it was your school subjects and leaning towards those in your electives. Now it's actually, yes, your, your preferred learning style, but also some of those links to what are those talents you have as well. Um, I always find it interesting the the annual swimming carnival. Everyone must swim, um, no matter whether you, and I understand that people should swim for their own safety and have a, a level of ability if you're going to be around water, but the, I still find it interesting. And I don't know if it's the same in the US, but over here, it's like every year swimming carnival, every child must race this uh, minimum distance and you have to. Yet, um, what if your talents aren't in swimming, but they're in running? Um, mm -hmm. So do, why do we give that sort of pressure in that sense still in some areas? So I find that that still shows there's some way to go. You know, some of that can be from just sheer survival as a community. You know, some of these uh, these exercises, for lack of a better term, have been implemented in order for the community, mm. you know, like they... I, I it, when you're talking about swimming, I'm instantly reminded that you live on an island, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and so maybe that's why that was implemented oh so many years ago, you know, because some child in the or children in the community were drowning because they couldn't swim, and so well, all of a sudden, uh, culturally, that changed for you. So it is a very big island, mind you, and I don't know, lots of interior space. I know. Yes, uh, but uh, and unfortunately, and it's it's extremely terrible statistic. The number of children that do um, die from uh, drowning in Australia every year, and there's been a big focus in the last um, couple of decades around water safety. And I totally agree that there's a minimum standard that everyone should have, and particularly around water, that making sure everyone is safe. But also then there's that competition that comes on top of that as well. Yeah, that's what, what they've done with it is they've taken something that really is helpful to the culture and then they've kind of pitted us up against one another, mm. which is a shame, huh? Yeah, yeah. So I, I want to just talk to you about um, your journey into being a strengths coach. And I love to hear how when people found their way to being into the world of strengths. And how did Rhonda Knight Boyle become into the world of strengths? And what has it meant for you? Well, gosh, I love sharing that. Actually, I found my way to StrengthsFinder, the, the actual assessment. I had been doing personal development since 1997 uh, through uh, learning about the temperaments uh, and seeing people like Florence Litauer, and I had done every assessment that came across my path, you know, and my husband came home from church one day, and he said, you are a woo, and I said, what is that, and he said, well, I can't <laughs> explain it, I just know you are one, 
And so they were, uh, they were investigating this assessment to discern whether or not to bring it into our parish community as mm -hmm. a program. Like, are we going to, you know, it's the same concept of engagement in the corporate world because, you know, 20% of the people do 80% of the work, you know, and it's especially important for churches and nonprofits and civic organizations to put their discretionary talent at good use. And so they had brought it, they were looking at it and bringing it in. And so uh, I took the assessment and sure enough, woo was number two. So I just want to check, you've only taken your assessment once, haven't you? Once, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah I'm ruined. There's no way I couldn't game the test now at this point. <laughs> so, you, so have you thought about taking it a second time? No. Mm -mm. I have thought about it. I mean, people bring it up all the time, and I'm like, no, that'd be wasting my money because I know I'm, you know, I'm 11 years in now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm intimately, uh, I have an intimate understanding. My whole family is assessed. The, you know, I'm a, I'm a strengths nerd, you know, and so there's no going back. Once you really learn this language, it be, it'd be like me forgetting how to use English. Yeah, yeah, nice. You know, it's the certain nuances of, of how people do things. So anyway, he, he, he told me about this assessment and, uh, you know, he's so different than I am. And uh, he has deliberative number one. <laughs> and he's, here he is with a woo activator, communicator, you know, <laughs> maximize on steroids, you know. And so um, I instantly, you know, the moment I took the assessment, I went and wooed somebody to go take it with me, you know. And, and so I started roping people in and then <laughs> You know, this is back in the Oh Dark 30, you know, era where you could only go in with your code from the book yes. to the one place at Gallup, you know? Yeah, I remember. And so, yeah, at that time, only 1.9 million. I remember the little ticker said 1.9 million people. And we're and over, so, over 20 million now. So, that wow, that shows. Yeah, the, 21. Yeah, 21, just hit yeah. 21. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, he, um, I just fell in love with it. And I started buying the book. Every time we had an Amazon order, I'd have to stick a book in there. And it became my favorite gift if I gave anybody anything. And so, I did not even... Uh, think about getting any type of certification for five and a half, six years. I finally got Gallup certified at eight and a half years in. So mm -hmm. I'm sort of street smart, you know, like yeah. all of my experience is field work. It's hardly any is uh, classroom, you know, it's just friend to friend. And then started my business in 2014, just because I could not not you know, it was one of those things where it becomes a passion for you and you cannot not, I, I was actually marketing a, a, a membership program for legal services when I started my business and I would sit down to have a networking conversation with someone about their business and about my business. And then I'd start talking about StrengthsFinder. So it was like, you know, I spend most of my networking talking about not even talking about my company that I was representing. Yeah. So Finally, I uh, let that go and just, you know, I've been, this is all I do. I, how, how would you describe that feeling when you first looked at your top five? Well, I remember crying at the computer, like yeah. weeping. I, I really believe, I have a friend here. She says her top five uh, are woo, 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 and woo. She is woo in her top five and 
And, but she claims like it's all of her five because she seriously is a, that's what she does for a living is she networks. She's with the chamber. She wins the trips and, and all of that. And I, she says that when she came to training with me that I released her woo. Mm. And I think that every woo person who is high in woo, who takes that test, we all, and I, I'm sure everyone feels this to a degree, but I think woo especially feels like there's something wrong with us. Like we're so different. We so love people. We're so animated. We're, we're, you know what I'm saying? That it, we feel odd until we find out that we're actually part of this tribe called woo. So do you think it's, do you feel from your experience, um, it's one of the least, un, least understood themes? Absolutely. I think if I'm not mistaken, the, the numbers are like 17%. Yeah, yeah. It is, it's certainly low in the frequency mm -hmm. of its appearance um, for those that have completed the assessment. Um, I also, I've, I've heard that for other people in um, for some of the other themes in my conversations with people over the last five years where they've, they've, they might have had deliberative, for example, or restorative. Um, and for either one of those, and they've said, people just haven't understood my decision-making process or my way of doing things. And now they do, but there's that self-confidence or that self-realization or even a bit of relaxation that comes in, isn't there? When you go, ah, oh, when I read this, this is me. Yes, yes. Well, you know, here's the other thing though, Marie, is that people high in woo, we, and until we understand it at the depth that we are able to through taking the assessment and just the initial discovery, we, this is why we feel so odd is because we cannot feel our own energy and we have the biggest energy of all. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like command has bigger energy in the moment that they're commanding. Yeah. But woo is like this switch that is either on <laughs> or on. <laughs> and, and so we, you know, a lot of times if you've been around us, the intensity of that energy, I mean, you need a nap and, and we don't, we don't know. We can read the body language. Thank goodness. I have individualization high. So I can see when somebody is like, okay, I can recognize how to turn that down. Uh, a lot of woos don't know about their own energy because we don't, like you may feel our energy, but we do not feel the energy that we are giving off. Yeah, okay. That's a, that's a nice perspective and an insightful sort of way of looking at woo around the amount of energy that you're bringing to a situation, to an interaction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can tell when we walk in the room and now you add maximizer to that, which is what I have mm -hmm. and, <laughs> and positivity, which means I have hot pink hair you know? <laughs> yes, you do. and I jingle, you know, like I've got, I've got jewelry that makes noise and stuff, you know? And so it's really recognizing our, the energy that we, we put out there that we don't even have a, we're not even conscious of. That's where I hope people have compassion for people high in woo who are not a self-aware. And this is That's the beauty. <laughs> when Chris comes back from church and he says, you're a woo <clears throat> and he's pointing that out in you in a positive sense, in a way of saying, this is who you are. This is what you bring. I love it. As opposed to, oh, this is what's wrong about you. Mm -hmm. 
And that's what I love when in community groups, in teams, in families, and people start to have this deep understanding, not just of themselves, but other people, I now have an insight as to how you operate as just who you are when you get out of bed in the morning and that is right. It's not wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It really gives you, you know, going to the language piece of it, it really gives you an opportunity to, uh, take a step away from yourself to observe something. So for example, my husband and I might be having words. Now, you know what I mean, Murray, right? Words. No, it never happens. No. <laughs> and he can say to me, sit down, Miss Activator. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Which he has done before mm. because I'm about ready to like come out of my skin on something. But if he were to say that to me, and he has. When he has said that to me, it is an instant recognition of the possibility that I actually might be out of line. Mm-hmm. And so it'll, it, 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 he's not attacking me personally. It doesn't feel as personal in that case, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, he has had to also, when my activator is a little pushy, shall we say, yep. he has had to say, I, I recall exactly an opportunity when, when I was trying to, you know, follow up on something with him. And he finally said to me after the third time I asked him about it, you know, that my intellection and my deliberative needed more time to think about this. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Which nice. meant. What do you say when somebody tells you what they need and they express it in the way of the talent, you know, that then you're like, well, all right, I'm not happy about having to wait, but I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Got you. And so Tammy, my wife has activator and connectedness in her top five and, and um, I love her already. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I know. And, um, and that connectedness for her, obviously, is it's all connected. It's all, um, I can see how it's all going to work out. I can see that there's a higher um, power that's all looking after everything. And, it's, and, and I'm going to take action on it right now. Mm-hmm. Let's go. And my responsibility is like, whoa, whoa, I've got hold of the reins. Let's just slow down a little. And so we've got this, this uh, balance that we bring to our business together on that. And, mm-hmm. and the strengths gives us a language and a way to talk about that in a positive frame and not making each other wrong. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, and it really helps you state exactly what it is that you need. You know, when he says my, I need more time. Mm-hmm. That's what you're saying. When she's ready to charge off, she sees it so clearly. She knows it's going to, you know, it, it'll all come together. And you're like, hang on a minute. My responsibility needs a little bit to see a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's permission is what it is. It's permission to ask for what you need in a way that the other person doesn't get offended. Yes, Mm. So, and this is the power that, that, um, the language brings, um, to relationships. And, and I was just talking to someone the other day about how it's not just about all the positive elements in our relationships in our life, but also gives us a way and a language to have some of those tough conversations as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so we were, 
involved in a book and I say we were involved, but let's be honest, you, you organized, you pulled it together. You were the driving force of the international bestseller, turning talents into strengths, stories of coaching transformation. And I felt privileged to be a part of that, uh, have my, my own chapter in that book and share my story, my journey as uh, being a strengths-based coach and what strengths has meant for me. But I also know that you um, were the driving force and your strengths shone through all that and brought that all together. And that book is such a, a fantastic collection of stories and inspiration of the impact strengths has meant in so many people's lives, whether that's from the coach or from people they've been working with in so many different areas. Um, mm -hmm. When you reflect on that book um, that came out uh, last year in 2018, how are you feeling now about um, that book and the process? Wow. <laughs> okay. So let me think about how I want to answer this because I'll be, we'll be quite transparent, Murray. It was the hardest thing I have ever done. And you know what? Here's the thing I have to say the, the, the best thing that came out of it for me was the honor and the privilege of working with 12 amazing coaches and being able to help them share their stories. And I had, I've published, you know, I'm in a, I have a, another book that I published myself. And then I was in another book with other, um, authors on a different topic on entrepreneurship. And so when I finished with that one, I just saw that vision. Uh, I, I saw it instantly. I remember exactly where I was and what I was doing when I saw that book come into existence in my mind's eye. And it took it took 11 months <laughs> to mm, mm. together and I'm telling you what, the thing I'm grateful about the 12 of you who, who worked with me on this is that y'all and listen, I was transparent. I told y'all I had no idea what I was doing and you found that out pretty quick, but uh, you know what? I, it was a great opportunity for collaboration. It was a great opportunity to see talent in action and to, you know, recognize that even though things didn't go perfectly, that we could work together and we could, you know, we were all committed to doing it no matter what yeah, yeah, and to yeah. make it right no matter what. And so we had quite a few, I, I, you know, that's the kind of project, quite frankly, that if anything could go wrong, it did, <laughs> you know, and so uh, I do. I did learn a lot. I tell you, and that was what I really wanted to do was to learn a lot. Well, I really didn't know what I was asking for <laughs> when I said I wanted to learn a lot. So, anyway, I've I have learned enough to uh, know how to cut some uh, cut down on some issues on the next one and. Uh, you know, I have the support. I know exactly what kind of support I need. You know, when you charge, activator, of course, charges off invincible. Yeah. No fear. And then we get in the middle and we're like, ooh, that was not exactly what I planned. However, you know, it was the, it was y'all, honestly, who kept me, the 12 of you, who kept me moving forward because I needed to do this for you. 
you know, and, and so it was. I, I look at, I look at the book and, and yes, it had a longer gestation period than you would have liked. Um, and I've, I've spoken to people who have uh, authored their own books and they do talk about it like a birth. It's like all this hard work oh and, my gosh. Long period of time and then it's, <laughs> it's done. And now, okay, let's, <laughs> let's move on. Let's. <laughs> Right. Yes. And there's a lot of things I would not do. You know, really? I know the things I would not do that will not do the next time. I know the, the things I have to have around me, the, the right type of support. I know how to vet those people now. And that was something that, I, you know, again, jumped right in activator, <laughs> but it well, all worked out. And so anyway, yeah, go ahead. You're right. And I say, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it all worked out. It's an international bestseller at, um, has been so well received and I, I look at it as a very unique book at the moment in the way that it does capture those stories through a different way than any other book at the moment mm. around those real impactful transformations that have happened in people's lives through focusing on their strengths. Um, and I, I think that's something you should be very proud of pulling together. Oh, I am. And I'm just so proud of y'all's stories. I mean, really, to, to consider the caliber of coach. I mean, you know, PhDs and MEDs and all of these brilliant, you know, professionals who we got to work with in this book. It's just amazing. Mm. And here I was, you know, just this, you know, coach with a dream. <laughs> so anyway. So the, the next book's on its way. No, it's on its way in my mind. Let's put it that way. I actually do have a title and uh, I have a list of coaches that want to be in it. And I finally have found about three weeks ago, uh, the support, you know, like the company that I'm going to work closely with in order to do that. So, yeah. So stay tuned. Huh? Yes. So, um, and you have my number. So let's just say. I do. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, and if, well, I'll have make sure there's a link to the book uh, in the podcast, but obviously there's links in the buyers out there for Rhonda and myself about the book as well. But certainly we want you to um, be able to access that book because it, honestly it is full of these stories um, and the real life impact people knowing their strengths has made in, in their lives, whether that's mm -hmm. as an individual coach or the, the people or the teams or the faith-based organizations people have worked with. And That's if right. you're thinking about strengths or want to know how to get more out of strengths, it's a fantastic book to do that. It is. Now, something else I know that you're very passionate about, as am I, is our money mindset. And I know as um, a business owner, it's something very important to me and people I coach who are running their own businesses or anyone in their life, it's something that can and can help and hinder them. Before we jump into ways to change your money mindset, where do you think it comes from yourself? Well, I think that the money mind, well, uh, let me just say this, 100% of the time, your money mindset is taught. Mm -hmm. If you think about money in this respect, money is paper and coins, metal, paper and metal. You know, it's, it's money because, and it has value because we all have decided culturally in our, whatever our community or culture we are, we've decided that this is 
what we are going to exchange for our labor and for goods and services. So money did not exist in your little baby head. (laughs) You know, it's not like you, you know, you were born knowing how to breathe and knowing how to eat and those types of things, you know, having some of those things. Yes. And with talents and you did not, you were not born with a money mindset. The money mindset was a hundred percent given to you Mm. by your parents and their relationship with money by your relationship with money as you have grown up and you know, by the, the way you perceive money right now. I mean, the way your spouse, there's just so, there are so many pieces to the money mindset and we all have limitations that's the one thing. My husband and I have been working in this arena uh, together, actually, for about a year. And uh, we, we would just say emphatically that 100% of the people on earth have limits uh, on, they have a cap on their income and on their money. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's because of this mindset that, they, that is operating in the background uh, of their subconscious mind that they don't even know it's there. And, and some of the simplest statements and some of the smallest messages that people take on from their parents and other influences in their life when they are children can be so strong money mindsets later on in life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And some of these things you, now I'll give an example for, from my life. I remember when I was nine years old. I was in the basement with some other kids and we were counting money. We had a big money jar. We had dumped it out. We were rolling it, counting it. And my mom came downstairs and she saw us playing with it. And she, she looked at me and she went, Oh my gosh, go wash your hands. Money is nasty. Oh yes. And I remember the moment I can tell you what it looks like. And that was nine. I was nine. I'm not going to tell you how many years ago, but it was significant. (laughs) It was decades ago and I can still remember it to this day. And so that has become, you know, something for me and where my husband and I have learned to work together is that he is responsible and he takes care of all that money. You know, I would not, I'm telling you now that I'm the one with the money, the bigger money mindset issues. And so anyway, we started working with uh, other people, um, on in a game that we created and we found it's we call it the spend the money game and every day for 14 days mr money bucks who is also my husband he doles out funny money and you don't know how much is coming every day it changes you don't know how much it is and your only requirement is to spend the money by midnight in your imagination and show us the proof of what you're buying. So for example, if he gave out, you know, I don't, I don't know, $15,000, I might go out and buy uh, a new boat. So Mm -hmm. I have to come and post a picture. I have to go shopping on the internet, find a picture of the boat and come and post the picture and think about that boat that I'm buying. Right. Yep. It's a, we teach them how to use their imaginations. Well, you cannot imagine like every day getting more money to spend. It sounds like fun, right? Well, by the fourth day, people start getting, you know, their talents start showing up. They start having stress mm-hmm. because they don't know how to deal with that kind of money. They don't, they can't even spend it. Can you imagine not being able to spend it in your imagination? Because the money suddenly about the fourth day starts to feel real. 
Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So we have training throughout the entire way. We, we start, we tell them what's happening as they're playing the game, because when you start feeling discomfort around money, it shows up in your body. And so it becomes like your subconscious mind starts to talk to you through your body. And we, we help people see that it, if they'll just continue to work through it with their imagination, they will come out to the other side, stretching their money mindset. And they I do. Can, I can imagine people in that process, they're feeling anxious, they're feeling um, stressed, they've got you know, some physical sort of um, mm-hmm. uh, ways that's showing up in their stomach and in maybe in their chest. And, and, and I can imagine then the important conversations to have about, well, what does that mean for you? What are those triggers? And then mm-hmm. do you, at that moment, do you link that back to other parts of life or do you do that at the end of the process? Oh no, we're doing it the whole way. We coach right. them the whole way. And, uh, you know, we don't require that they take the, the Clifton Strengths assessment, but when they do, we're able to tie in, like for, I'll give you an example. Someone mm-hmm. high in includer would find it difficult to have a lot of money without letting their friends have some of it. Yeah. So gotcha. you find people when we're playing the game by the fourth day patterns that are in alignment with talent start to show up. So for example, someone high in responsibility and deliberative on the fourth day, maybe analytical intellection, some of those types of talents by the fourth or fifth day, they want to save the money. Mm-hmm. They want to stuff it under the mattress they, they feel, you know what I'm saying? They're so triggered into saving when this is, I have to remind them it's funny money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and connectedness and uh, connectedness, includer, uh, they start getting stressed because they feel like they're leaving people behind and they want it, they start giving their money away. Yes. Mm-hmm. And people high in significance, competition, command, we're not even playing. They're not even really playing mm-hmm. until you hit tens of thousands of dollars in the game. Got you. Yeah. So it's so interesting to see how people's money mindset will often show up through their talents. Also. So once someone has um, gone through the whole program, how has that changed the way that they are showing up in life or the way that they are um, have a different relationship with money? Well, first of all, because we're asking them to use their imagination, we're actually teaching them how to look inside and create in their mind's eye, in their imagination. Some of the things that they buy in the game actually come true. Mm. We've had crazy, crazy, every game, somebody gets a boatload of money dropped in their lap or they, they find, you know, maybe they bought expensive $800 chairs. I have one story where a lady bought these, these expensive chairs and then found almost the identical ones for 50 bucks a piece at a yard sale. I mean, you know, just funny <laughs> Funny little stories like that. Well, I mean, and sometimes they're significant. Like one lady had $74,000 check fall into her lap, you know, during the game that was unexpected. It, it just sort of like, wow, that just showed up. So we have some of those things. And uh, some of the things that what, what, what we have noticed significantly is during the game, couples especially, if they will mm-hmm. play, they start to dream again together. Yeah. 
Like they start to realize that they have dreams and they start to work towards those dreams. So for example, one a couple that I know that we played with, they, are, they booked their Alaskan cruise for this summer that they're going on. And another bought a big 40-foot uh, camper RV and mm-hmm. they're actually buying one. Like they looked at one last weekend. So, you know, this is months later because, and this is what happened is because they took themselves off automatic pilot with their money for this 14 day time period. And they played and they started dreaming again together, reset some goals. I mean, it's just amazing things have happened. That is so beautiful that it's Mm -hmm. coming back to um, resetting that relationship with money and being more consciously aware of that relationship in your life and then starting to then have a more, let's say a more helpful relationship, more productive relationship so that you are again, as you said, dreaming, imagining, exploring, and it's not something that is, you know, tying you down to, I'm just working to earn money to do X, Y, and Z. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that's So to play the game, is this something you run periodically or? Periodically. Yeah. yeah. I don't have, it's very labor intensive. Yeah. So uh, we will probably run again, another one this summer. And it's very intense. Like when I tell you it is an intense game, yeah, I'm serious. <laughs> you know, it gets quite difficult to play, you know, because you have all of these emotions that you're dealing with. But the beautiful thing about it is it allows people to get clear mm. on their relationship with money and there's money blocks us- as well those blocks that are hindering you in life oh yeah and i promise because of the way we set the game up you will feel them mm. like you'll physically feel them and now you'll be able to you know because you we do do intentionally trigger you. I mean, you know that coming in, but it's all safe because it's not real, you know, but (laughs) we have to remind people that it's not real because it does feel real. You know, we have all of our disclaimers. And we were talking before we started uh, our podcast today about people that follow their passion and the messages they get sometimes of could be their own partner, could be people in the industry. Uh, they could be coaches, practitioners, um, therapists, whatever it might be, but some or artists. And quite often the message they get is because it's your passion, you won't be successful or your success won't bring money or because mm-hmm. you're passionate and it's your, your hobby, uh, you won't make money out of it. And those mindsets then develop so, um, so strong inside and they, they hold people back, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yes, they do. That's a big one, you know, for coaches in particular, Mm. you know, is uh, allowing themselves to be held back because of the way they think about things. I'll tell you one that I have seen a lot of is coaches who really want to work in a certain area, you know, like they want to work with nonprofits or they want to work with community advocacy programs or... And the first thing I'll say, you know, like, who do you want to work with? Who's your favorite client? And they're like, well, I love working with nonprofits, but they don't pay well. Mm. That's the first words out of their mouth. And I'm like, that's not true. That is absolutely an 
that's a story you're living in right now. So, and they're like, Oh, you know, you're right. Because any of those organizations, they will pay. They just need to see how you're in alignment with what they're looking for. And And then they'll go find the value. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And then they'll go find the money for you. In fact, they'll introduce you to the person who's going to go find the money for, for their nonprofit for that. So it's a, it is all, that's where that mindset just comes in, you know, so much. I was think I was listening to a call uh, today with a coach and he said that he makes $900 an hour for one-on-one coaching and $1,500 an hour at the executive level if you're in a corporation. And I don't know a lot of coaches that are charging $900 an hour. No. No, but he's able to because he believes that much in the value of what he's offering. And he puts his money where his mouth is. You know, he says you will get this or, or you know, he, he wants to prove that. So this is where we as coaches get to get smarter. It's, it's funny. And, and uh, you and I have talked before about the work that my wife, uh, Tammy, does with many practitioners across Australia and New Zealand and the challenge they have around their business and growing their business at different times and working with them. And what I've heard through that process is a lot of them um, get to a point where it's a bit of a ceiling and they're trying to grow their business and trying to work smarter, not harder and how they do that. And quite often what they find is uh, that their books are full, but they're not quite getting where they want to. And so um, then they get to that that, that opportunity of um, how do I grow my business next? And do I, which path do I go? Do I actually bring more people into my clinic or do I um, put my prices up? And all the time, what I've heard is once they put the prices up, they still get more bookings or they mm. get even more bookings once they put the price up because their mindset shifts, but also it doesn't stop other people seeing that they provide value, but it actually might even give this new mindset that they provide even more value. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's a continual thing that once they put that price up, um, you know, within reason, let's be honest, but when they do that, they say, I then see these messages of, oh, and now I'm getting more bookings. Mm -hmm. Find it very interesting just as how that puts that out there, um, in their, in their sphere that it doesn't, once they make that shift, that it doesn't stop it coming in. And I think that's the concern people have around how they value themselves and how that might turn people away as opposed to if I value myself and I provide that value and this is the investment, it's actually, um, it brings in more. Mm -hmm. It does. It does because they've created the space for it Mm. too. Yeah. Um, So if if anyone wants to get involved in your money game and, um, and is really excited and interested about what that would be like, is the best place to go to your website to do that? Probably there or to, yes, they can reach me through my website or through my Facebook messenger. Okay. And yeah. Rhonda, RhondaBoyle.com? RhondaBoyle.com. Yeah. Okay. So we'll make sure at the end of the um, podcast, um, once we put that out there live, sorry, not live, recorded, that, <laughs> <laughs> that we will have all the links to your um, Facebook page, and also your, um, your website as well. 
Now, this being the Inspired Energy podcast, I ask everyone, what is their definition of inspired energy? And I'd love for you to um, share what you feel that definition is today. Wow. I think inspired energy is that thing that you cannot not do. (laughs) (laughs) You must because you're so inspired that it just lights a fire under you and you cannot not do it. So uh, that's what I would uh, definitely say is inspired energy. I love that. And I love your, your use of that a couple of times today about those things that you cannot not do. Um, and, and it's funny because I often do in the uh, team workshops, the, the activity around stand up or raise your hand if this is you all the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, that question around, you know, is your wardrobe or your closet very organized or color coded in some way? And people put their hand up and stand up and they own it and they love it. And I, I we have these great conversations about let's walk through your wardrobe and, then someone often puts a hand up and they say, oh, but what if you don't get time to do it? Or what if you want to do it, but you don't? And I love the conversations and that opens up and people say, well, actually, if you really wanted to, you'd be doing it. So it's actually not you. Because mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. like, I cannot not do it because it's right. just who I am. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about, it is all about energy. Mm. It's, we go where the energy is. It's how we get filled. Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just got, I just remembered something you do and I just want to understand your, your, um, your process. Cause I love it. So on Facebook, you've got a regular sharing of public service announcements. Oh. <laughs> and I, I just think, made that up, Murray. I, I love it. I love it. I think they're fantastic. You, um, there's at least one a day, sometimes a couple, but some very, very um, short and um, thought-provoking public service announcements of things that I think maybe are on your mind or you want people just to get thinking differently. Um, tell me how that came about. Well, I have no idea. I just made it up one day. I mean, seriously, I had some, some thought entered my head that was like a two word statement, like you are enough, something as simple as that. And I just made it in a public service announcement just for fun, just to kind of dress it up, you know? And so I actually, uh, I don't do them every day. Some days I'll do like two or three in a row, two, Mm -hmm. two or three in a row and then I might skip a week and then I might do one here and then two days and then so it you know usually it is something that I have either read or has popped into my head I I usually take inspired action so that's why you don't see consistency which is of course is my number 34 right <laughs> so I don't put them out at eight o'clock every day 8 a.m you'll see them whenever it come pops into my head and I'm inspired to put it out there. But I try to reduce something to like the shortest amount of words. Yeah. And like today it says busy is not a status symbol. (laughs) I love it. And I I, I do. I, you're right. Uh, Now I reflect about that inconsistency, but when I see them come through, it's like, okay, it's got me thinking today. I just love it's a public service announcement and I love how you've linked it back to that. That's, it's fantastic. Thanks. 
So if anyone wants to connect with you online, where's the best place to do that? Best place, I have my website, rondaboyle.com. You can find me on Facebook at Rhonda Boyle or Rhonda Knight Boyle. And you can find me in my private group, which is called The Very Best You on Facebook. We have about 1,500 people in there. It's very active. Lots of people exploring their talents and uh, enjoying the conversation around how they show up. And so that's what that's all about. So, so we, just had a, we just had a little drop out then just to confirm that last one. It is the very best you. Yes. The very best you. It's a Facebook group. So. Yeah. Great. We'll make sure that there's links to all of those in the show notes for today's podcast. Again, I want to thank you so much for this conversation. I love connecting with you. I love your maximizer woo. And I love that authenticity that you bring every time you and I connect. Um, you uh, embody what it means to be a strengths-based coach in the way that you live and breathe it in everything you do. And I know how passionate you are about lifting the whole strengths community for everyone to, um, to live their best life. So thank you so much for your time today. Oh, thank you, Marie. Appreciate you. Appreciate you too, my good friend. And I will see you in Omaha again this year at the Clifton Strength Summit. Can't wait. Can't wait. Another fun trip to Omaha and uh, connecting with uh, people like yourself. Uh, if anyone's got anything out of today's podcast, please share that online on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, hashtag Inspired Energy, and please tag Rhonda Boyle and myself, Murray Guest. If you'd like to be on the podcast, please go to inspiremybusiness.com and fill in the form there and we'll get back to you ASAP to organize some time for you to share your strength stories or other um, key messages you'd love to get out there. So Rhonda, thanks again so much. It's been so great chatting to you today and um, I'll see you soon. Okay. Thanks, Marie.